Hello and welcome to What Happens in Vegas. Today you're going to be listening to uh, one of my favorite conversations. It's with Michelle from Grazing with Michelle. She owns a grazing business in Melbourne. She's also my older cousin. And so we get really personal here. We talk about family and family influences on who we are as people, as people running businesses. We talk about being supported by sisterhood, by community, We talk about COVID and the impacts that it had on business and we keep it real. Michelle is super honest and vulnerable in this and yeah, it's a really real beautiful conversation about what it is to be human in this world at this time. And so I, yeah, I look forward to you listening to it. I've got my cousin Michelle in today. She is my older cousin who used to braid my hair and take me to the fair, (laughs) who now has this incredible grazing business in Melbourne. She's a freaking superstar and I love it a bit. So hi, Michelle. Hello, Laura. (laughs) This is just very surreal. Very serious. She's going to get all shy on me now. It's all right. Yeah, I, can you, I feel like I'm getting very nervous. That's okay. Let's just do what we normally do. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. We're in uh, good company here. That's right. Safe space. Safe space, yeah. We're just pretending that it's uh, Easter and we're yep. drinking a Prosecco. And yeah. <laughs> we're going to annoying us at the back. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And we're just, just shooting the shit. Hanging out with the family. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what did we say we were going to call this? Oh. Talking shit with the scruffs? Talking, yeah. So today's episode is talking shit with the scruffs. <laughs> <laughs> so, I love it. I, well, let's start with your business. Let's start with your business because I think that it, it what I love about your business is how much family influence that I can see in it anyway. Yeah. Yeah. So you look, I started my business. It wasn't if if our Uncle Serge was listening, he would be mortified. <laughs> I started my business without a plan. Mm-hmm. Um I started it off someone saying you should give it a go. So um, I'd made grazing tables for a couple of friends just as a, can you help me out? And I said, yeah, no problems. And I carried my platters over and I put cheese on a plate, basically. And people said, this looks really good. You should give it a go. So I started up a Facebook page, did a little bit of research, went and got my food handling course, got my kitchen registered and um, off I went. And it wasn't anything that I ever thought about. I never thought that, and I still don't um, think that it's anything overly, like I work really hard, but I don't think that it's anything super special. (laughs) Does that make sense? Like it's just, I just do what I do. And, um, And then I've been really fortunate to have met along this road, lots of people that have supported me and, um, say, you know, will you do my lunches for my business? Or And so it just evolved. It evolved into something that I never imagined that it would. Like even 12 months ago, 
if you had have asked me, would I fit, would would I be where I was pre-COVID? I would never have thought that I would have done turned over all that of what I did, what I've done in the last twelve months, the last two years, really. Yeah, yeah. It's kind of like it took a life of its own. Yeah, it just it went. I look honestly, it's probably COVID changed the the course of what Grace with Michelle was like. It definitely um, took the business to it to a new level. Mm-hmm. Um, it made me realize that it wasn't just a, a side business and it wasn't just a weekend business. This was a business that was tracking some really good, um, some profit. Some it was yeah. It was very, very interesting to see that how COVID changed the course of my business. Mm-hmm. And it is now a fully-fledged business, you know. I I, I make a profit. I, I I have to pay tax and GST <laughs> and all those grown-up things and that was just something that I never imagined that I would have to do. I just thought that it would be a weekend business and I'd make some grazing boxes and um, make a little bit of money and go to Bali. Yeah, was- yeah. Had you um, owned businesses in the past or was this your first kind of business venture? No, so I've always worked for other people. Mm. Um, So my background is nursing. So I was a nurse for, I think I've been a nurse for 20-odd years. And then I moved into um, sort of practice management, built businesses for other people, Mm. um, made them money, looked after their finances, but never had the courage to do it myself. So what supported you to have that courage to step into your own business this time around? I don't think I just did it. Yeah. I didn't think about it. I didn't, I always had been scared of spending money, not spending my own money or investing in something because I was always scared because you know, this is a, like, so my dad was not the best businessman. Mm-hmm. He was very, he wasn't smart with his with his businesses, so he had a failed business. So my fear was always having debt or um, spending money that I didn't have. So I was always very mindful of just playing it safe. Yeah. So when I started my business, I started it with my own savings mm-hmm. and I just looked at it from there. Yeah, it's so interesting the way that, what we kind of see as children or in our families growing up can really shape some of the ways that we view things, particularly things like money, right? I was talking about this with Peter, who I had um, in the last episode, that, you know, in in my kind of upbringing, it was kind of like, oh, we can't afford that. Like, we can't afford that. And so, you know, that's not to say that it was good or bad. It's just like that was that was what was going on in our in yeah. our household at the time. And so, you know, you kind of take that on and it can kind of take a life of its own in a way and pop it up is. in different ways in adulthood. It definitely, I know the failure of my dad's business impacted me in every aspect of my, you know, like especially in financial aspects of my life. So I've always been really... Um, I guess, cautious of how I spent money. Mm. Um, And if I was to do it, I had to make sure because, you know, in the early years you get a credit card and you spend money and then you're like, oh, shit, I've got to pay this back. 
<laughs> and then you realize that's really hard and then you think oh my god am I slipping into these patterns that are from you know like a family history kind of thing so then you just become smarter and as you grow and as you become more mature with the way that you deal with your finances um you just learn not to make the same mistakes yeah yeah so. and I guess that's the the beauty of kind of intergenerational growth is being able to see kind of, okay, that's kind of what I had. And even going back a generation, there was probably some yeah. things around money <laughs> yeah. um, and business. I think our, our um, so our grandparents were in business and um, yeah. like our, our grandfather owned restaurants and, He always, from what mum tells me, you know, always was like the quality was so important, like quality was so important and he would look after everyone like it was his own family member, you know, and he would always put the best food on the table. (laughs) Yeah, and I feel like with, with mine as well, with what I do, I tend to over cater. (laughs) <laughs> I want to make sure that nobody leaves hungry and yeah. and sometimes I don't think about the profit margin. I think about the quality of the food, the the interactions that people are going to have around food because really how do we interact as a family? Mm. We interact around food and food totally. has always been such a huge part of our of our life. Um, mm. You know, when, when we get together, there's food and there's... Yeah. Plenty of it. Like we've never skimped on food. Food has never been something that as Scrafani's we've ever skimped on. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And so I think that's just, yeah, something that's ingrained just. in a different way, yeah. right? Kind of like yeah. the way that we connect anyway as a family was abs- is, yeah. is still absolutely over food and that's yeah. what's so wonderful about that connection and I think that, um when you share a meal with anyone, it's got a real, I guess I call it that ventral green zone anchor where you're kind of in community with other people and so your system sees other people and we're all kind of sharing something really beautiful together and yeah. it, you know, it, it's infectious <laughs> in the best of my, It is and I remember like my dad loved to cook. My dad, mm. um, your uncle, my dad, was, yeah. was a cook. He was a concreter. <laughs> but he was a cook as well, much like his father. And I remember the one thing that I remember so much about Dad was that he he would always say, do you like it? Is it good? Does it taste good? He was always very much centred about around the food and if the food was crap, he would tell you. Mm. So I think there's a lot ingrained in me that I have to use good quality food. It has to be delicious, prepared, prepare, prepared well, Mm. And, um, yeah, and it's just, and it has to be really good quality. Yeah, yeah. 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 All these things rub off, right? <laughs> they do. And, that's the thing. and you don't realise, like, until you talk about it, mm. that they are things like I think, oh, there's nothing, like, there's nothing for me, like, I don't feel like I, I've got anything from Dad. Mm. I don't look like him. I look like Mum my personality, I don't know. But then when I think about it, I think, oh, hang on, 
that's from my dad, you know, like that's, you know, that love for, for food or for entertaining or, you know, you can put aside all the, you know, the, the bad business and all that kind of stuff. But I did get something from him, you know, yeah. like and I didn't realise probably until now <laughs> that I did inherit that that from him, you know, that, yeah. that you don't have to look like someone. You can inherit you know, qualities from them and they were dad's really good qualities. Oh, absolutely. And even just kind of what the environment in which you were kind of raised in and that, you know, you know what you know and what we knew was food. Yeah, yeah. And I was, see, I was raised by an Australian mother and an Italian father. Mm. So, you know, we didn't speak Italian. Yeah. We didn't understand it. Like. Um, and that was because my dad always said that he um, wanted to become, you know, he Australianised himself very early so he fit mm-hmm. in. So we had the best of both worlds. We had that, we embraced that Italian culture probably later in our, like when we were older rather than when we were younger. Yeah. You know, because we're kids of the 80s and it wasn't cool. <laughs> Yeah, I feel so. like it started getting cool maybe kind of like when I was in high school it started getting yeah. cool. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it like was, it was like it was. But And then I think you appreciate your family, you know, because our family is very, it's a little bit unique because there was um, the older siblings as in like your mum and my dad and then there were the younger ones and then you came along as the you know, later, and then all the uh, the uncles started having kids later, and then the grandchildren, like then I had kids. Mm-hmm. It were a very mixed bag, but it's it's um, yeah, it's fun. Yeah, it's, it's a good family. Yeah, yeah. How do you think that? Like looking back now, do you feel like this entrepreneurial spirit that has kind of been set alight in the past few years has? A bit of a background in family or maybe maybe it has I think yeah I think maybe it's sort of come you know maybe maybe that's another thing that I inherited who knows <laughs> but yeah maybe it was I mean it was it was never something that I ever thought about like I'm going to start a business and I'm going to because I have the biggest imposter syndrome, you know, like I'm like, why would people say that looks, you know, like I, I'm very self-critical and I'll look at things and I'll pick shit through it because it, is that perfect enough? Does it look good? Or what will people think? Oh. So, yeah, I don't know. What did you ask? I forgot. <laughs> <laughs> no, I guess kind of like that whole kind of entrepreneurial side that it takes even though, you know, you say that you could you pick things apart and that, you experienced imposter syndrome and at the same time you've been able to create this incredible business. How I don't you- feel like I'm an entrepreneur, Laura. <laughs> I just I don't. I don't because like for me an entrepreneur is someone that's got made millions of dollars or this is how I think. Yeah. I just think I'm just this chick that rolls salami. And that's why people I, love you, though, right? Because yeah, you're just, just you. It's like you're just being you. Yeah, I, I don't think that um, I don't think that my business is 
any more special than the next one. And I don't think that it that I'm an entrepreneur, but um, I'm giving it a red hot, you know, I'll give it a go and I'll, and I'll give things a go. Like I did the workshop. I didn't think anyone would come and I sold it out. And it, I stood there on the day and I was like, oh, my God, these people actually came for me. And it was very surreal to think that 73 women wanted to see me make a platter. Yeah. Go figure. It was it was really it's more than just making a platter. People were right? like wanting to take a photo. They're like, "Can I take a photo with you?" And I'm like, "What?" <laughs> okay. <laughs> it was overwhelming. Yeah. It was a night. It was a you know, and I had my family there rushing around working, and you know, like it was just a very very surreal experience. Yeah, yeah, very surreal. And yeah. I wonder if some of the women were here that were in the room that have supported you through this whole process, what they would have to say if they would say it's just it's just roll and salami because like you were saying before, it's you're putting so much heart and soul into what you do and yeah. it's, it's, yeah. it's, it's providing I, I an do. experience, you know. It's like this experience where we all come together and we share a beautiful meal and we're laughing and we're, yeah, drinking Prosecco and we're, you know, sharing I stories. Just, I wanted it to, I had my birthday on Saturday and I, of course, you know me, what do they say? Oh, you come to Michelle's house, it's always extra so I made a beautiful grazing table and I had, you know, the wine and um, everything flowing because that's what we do. Mm. And when I and I invited a couple of girlfriends that I'd met throughout COVID and we've just become friends. And um, and they're they're business women and they they own successful businesses in their own right. And they came and they said to me later on, you're what you depict on socials is exactly what we felt. It was warm. It was friendly and it was so family orientated. And I was like, oh, that's just me. Yeah. You know, and that it's, yeah. So I, that that made me really proud to hear them say that because it's, I always, when I drop a platter off, I think oh, I hope people stand around and have a chat and have a wine and eat good food and, that's kind of the way I think about it. I don't think, and I'm, you know, when I prepare it, I'm like, oh, I might just add a little bit more because maybe they might eat a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> you know, classic yeah, Italian. Italian experience, yeah. Yeah, so that's kind of, yeah, it may, maybe maybe that does come from the from the whole Italian side or the overfeeding or just <laughs> making sure that everybody's got enough to eat. Yeah. So, yeah. And I know that your business really like pivoted. I know everyone uses that word pivot around COVID. But I also remember there was a moment where you were going to shut it down over that period. I remember you kind of being like, I'm just going to see you for now. Don't know when we're going to do it again. And then something happened and you came back kind of like, I don't know. What, What happened for you then? I think because I work in medical I was hearing everything coming from medical side. This is going to be really bad. You know, we're going to be locked down. And I got scared. Mm. I was like thinking, this is really scary. How am I going to be able to access produce? Am I allowed to drive out of five kilometres? Like everything, 
was so unclear at that first stage that nobody really knew what we were doing. And I just thought, oh, this is going to be too hard. I'm going to, I'm just going to shut down until I can process it in my my head as well. And then I thought, I'll give it a go Mm. and I'll just see how I go. Um, So the first one was around Mother's Day and Easter and that was quiet. So it wasn't too bad. So I um, pivoted straight away. And I think because I was, because I work for a surgeon, I knew what was going on from the hospital. Like he kept telling me sort of bits and pieces. So I was kind of maybe a day ahead of what we were finding out over the news. Right. Okay. Not that he was yeah. giving me any insider information, but he was kind of very on to what was going on. Mm-hmm. And so I knew that. That if the as the numbers were increasing, and I guess I thought it's going to get worse before it gets better, I better pivot early. Think about you know, sort of be ahead of the game. Yeah. So Easter came around, and I um, pivoted, and I made kids Easter boxes, and that went nuts. Um, I think I did maybe 70, 70 or eighty um, of those, and at that stage, I didn't have a website. So everything was coming through via social, so I was writing it in a calendar. <laughs> and then I, I had a website. Sorry, I did have a very basic website, but I didn't have an online shop mm-hmm. because I never thought that I would have any more than a couple of orders a week, which I was happy with because I just never thought past doing grazing tables really. Mm. So then I did the the kids' hampers. That was really popular. And then Easter came along. Uh, sorry, Mother's Day came. And that was, again, we did, I collaborated with a girlfriend of mine who lives in the same area. So we were, we were in that five kilometres. He was a florist and we said, let's do these hampers. We'll do Mother's Day hampers. So I could get bulk cheese, biscuits, and we made up this beautiful hamper and we had like 100 orders and it was wow. just chaotic because we had no we weren't prepared for the influx of what we were going to get and we also had to coordinate delivering sourcing all the produce when you know like to go you know and at that stage I wasn't sourcing anything wholesale except for for going you know maybe getting cheese and things and that was about it but and everything because people were going crazy and like in Melbourne I don't know if it was the same in Sydney but shops were empty yeah. It was like the apocalypse was hitting and there was no there was no dry biscuits. There was nothing. So cheese was really hard to get, fresh meats, everything was really hard to get. So we did the Mother's Day thing and then I thought I'm going to have to get an online shop if this is going to continue. So I put the online shop on. That was fine. We had a couple of weeks where we opened up again and then we went into the stage four lockdown. And the stage four lockdown was where my business went from zero to a thousand really really quickly Mm. and I and that was when because we were locked down and and then they put the limit on how many kilometers you could go you couldn't see your mum you couldn't see your grandparents you couldn't catch up with people for birthdays for celebrations so what were people sending they were sending food Mm. and so the um what happened So then the orders started coming through and maybe it was five a day and then it went to 20 a day 
I had to cap it at 30 a day. So what I was doing was I would get up in the, I would prep the night before, I would roll on my prosciutto the night before. Then I would get up early, make the boxes, send them off with the courier because I had to outsource and get a courier because I couldn't do every element of the grazing job and do my full-time job. Yeah, yeah, because you were working full-time all through that as well, weren't you? Yeah, so I was still working. Yeah, I was still working, although in that, so his business really struggled. He was He's a surgeon, mm. so people weren't going to the doctors. They were too scared. So we weren't as busy, so it kind of worked, but I still obviously had to do my job. So then, yeah, so then we started sending out all these boxes and I had to, it was just, it was a real, I've never worked so hard in my life. Yeah. I've never seen, (laughs) uh, it was really hard and it's, I still feel kind of traumatised from it, like like I feel like I've really got burnt out because, that lasted 16 weeks. I think mm. it was 16 weeks. And every day I was making up to 30-odd boxes. And some. And it wasn't just, you don't just make a grazing box and you send it on its way. You've got to process the order. So that was all, every step took time. Well, all the love and care and support that you, you did that in as well, right? It's like... Yeah. It's not just because you're creating these experiences, but also in a pandemic when there is so much um, nervous energy around. Yeah. Everyone's system is in fight or flight or shut down all the time then, because just like low key under the surface, but in a chronic level. Yeah. Right? It's just day in, day out. Whereas those kind of responses should only last for short bursts of time in your system. And instead, it's kind of like weeks and weeks and weeks, particularly in Melbourne. Yeah. I mean, how did you but stay you grounded enough to be able to continue that? I didn't. Yeah. So it was just like going everybody on Everybody wanted that something from me. Every, yeah, yeah fight or flight. Everybody yeah. wanted a piece of me. I was a shit mum. I was a shit wife. I didn't wash. I didn't clean my house because I didn't have time. So that so my family took a back seat. Then and if Everybody. we can, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna be like, I'm sure you weren't a shit wife or mom in that time. I'm sure they would have seen that you were doing absolutely the best you can in this crazy but, situation that just went from zero to hero in such a but short. But I just time. felt like I wasn't giving them what I normally yeah. give them. Yeah. And then the clients were wanting more than you know, like they would ring and go, "Where's my grazing box? It's one o'clock," and it's like, I deliver between nine and three. You know, mm. it will be there when it's be, when it will be there. And then there were the Zoom meetings where people were wanting, you know, like where you had to coordinate 20 different deliveries at, you know, to be there by 11 o'clock. It was really, it, was, it wasn't a fun time. Yeah. Um, but I did it. Mm-hmm. It was, it, when people talk about COVID burnout, I honestly can say it's a thing. Oh, absolutely. It you know, makes and I know that that I was, and I'm not complaining and I feel extremely blessed that my business thrived mm-hmm. and I'm very aware that businesses didn't, you know, and, and you know, I have empathy for them. It's, 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 it's shit. Mm. But now the flip side is, is that all the events, places are, are feeling what we felt in the lockdown. They're, they're, you know, running on empty and it's, so it's, it's flipped. So we're kind of, plateaued a little bit 
and now events are crazy and the people are people are in turn getting demanding to them. And I was talking to someone that runs an event space and she's like, you know, we were just, you know, listening to what you guys were going through over COVID and now we're copying it, it's flipped. Mm. And, um, you know, they're kind of feeling burnout now because they're on the go all the time. So it's I now have made a, a, a mental note to slow down a little bit. Okay. If I, and, I've, and I made the decision that I was not going to go crazy at Mother's Day mm-hmm. because I can't, it's really hard. I, I still feel really, um, really, uh, what's the word? It's like I feel I'm still a little bit traumatised from yeah, the whole thing. Yeah, and, you know? that's, and that, that's an okay word to use because yeah. trauma is something that people talk about as like a, um, I know it's used a lot and trauma is any time that the nervous system is completely overwhelmed and doesn't yeah. feel like it has the resources to be able to manage what's going on at any point in time. Yeah, and- yeah, if I, I honestly, if my my Michael was just, he was amazing because he could see that like there would be days and I go, I can't do this. And he's like, Michelle, you know, you've got 30 orders. That's your job. You have to do it. You have to be organised. So he was very good in that. He then took over the making sure I had enough boxes because grazing boxes were in short supply. So, you, <laughs> you know, we always had to like, because everything was coming from China, nothing was coming from China, so boxes were limited, you know. So we always he sort of looked after the whole inventory kind of thing. He'd say, right, you need to order this, this and this today. Mm-hmm. So we had to sort of forward plan for what we needed because everything was in such short supply, especially in stage four. Yeah. You know, so it was, it was more than just making grazing tape, grazing boxes. It was... And that was, I guess, where the whole business turned, you know, like um, and did I make some massive money? Yeah. But I also bloody deserved that as well because we work so hard. Yeah, yeah, you would have absolutely, yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, and I don't think people, like on socials, you can show a 30-second a 30 snippet of your day. <laughs> And you only sh- and what is Instagram? It's a hi- it's a highlight reel, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. So people only saw oh, here's Michelle showing the video of her full fridges and you know, and then you know, in that lockdown we had Father's Day, and that was the first Father's Day without Dad. Mm. That was horrendous. Yeah, that Father's Day for me, I had, I think I capped it at seventy boxes for that day. Wow. Because, because I knew that I wasn't going to cope and I had done a box called Nando's Lunch, mm. which was a box of my dad's favourite meats. Mm. And, um, you know, it was a very woggy lunch and it had beers <laughs> and bread and stuff. And I made a point of not delivering any of those because I just didn't want to have to deal on that day. I didn't want to have to see any dads. I didn't want to have to deal with the whole um, Father's Day situation, but I was happy to drop off other lunches, but not other grazing boxes, but not that lunch. Mm. Anyway, there was one that was we were going past, and I said, Michael said, just take, just we'll deliver this one, Michelle. Don't make the kids go out of their way to deliver that. 
So I knocked on the man's door and I said, oh, you know, this is for such and such, you know, happy Father's Day. And he goes, oh, thanks, love. He goes, you must have a dad. What's mm. your dad's name? And I looked at him and I go, um, I go, his name's Nando. And he goes, well, you wish your dad a happy Father's Day. And I said, oh, actually, this lunch is in honour of my dad. He said, I'm so sorry, I didn't know. I was fucked for the rest of the day. (laughs) And the man messaged me and he's like, I'm so sorry, I didn't know. He said his wife, the girl that ordered it from me, had her mum was standing beside, she was bawling, he was bawling, (laughs) and then they sent me a video. So many people, this is when I did this, this lunchbox for Dad, and I wrote a note to them and I said, the one thing my dad loved was a good woggy lunch and a beer. Please cheers, my dad. And I had four, I think I sold ten of them and five people sent me videos and they were saying cheers to Nando. And it was just the nicest thing. And I thought, okay, had a bit of a cry. <laughs> oh, I'm crying on this right now. <laughs> it was just don't put the video on. And it was <laughs> as much, it was the hardest day because I hadn't grieved my dad until that day because I didn't have time. Yeah. And um, and I don't think I'll, I think that's the nicest memory. And maybe that was dad saying, you're going to remember me today, Michelle, you're not going to put it to the back of your mind. <laughs> and, he was, and he was the nicest Italian man. Yeah. But it was just a really, that was hard. Yeah. And, yeah, what really a beautiful hard. way to honour him. Yeah. Oh, he would have thought that was because I had given Dad the year before I had given Dad that lunchbox. Yeah. And and then he passed away not long, like a couple of weeks after, like two weeks after. Mm. So that was the last time that I'd seen my dad yeah. was that Father's Day 20, 2019 mm. and then he died a couple of weeks later. And yeah. then when we went to the fridge to clean out his fridge, it was still in the fridge. <laughs> he obviously he hadn't eaten at all because, of course, I loaded him up with, like, yeah. homemade salami. <laughs> and that is one of the, that's where you say, like, family, you know, is very involved in my business. I've made a Nonna Rosa box for our Nonna. I've made the dad's box. So anything that kind of is family resembled, you know, I do sort of try to to bring them into it. God, well, I didn't expect that, Oprah. <laughs> <laughs> what do you think? What do you think, Uncle Nando would say if he could see you now with your grazing boxes and? He'd say, "You're doing a bloody that- good job, love." That's what he'd say. <laughs> and don't put shit in the box. Don't buy cheap. Don't buy cheap food. And don't put shit in a box. He was, um, I started just, I started in the April. Dad died in the October. And so I used to ring Dad because I'm not a very good Italian. And I'd say, hey, Dad, what meat, you know, should I get this meat or this meat? You know, should I buy Italian or Spanish or whatever? And it was kind of the thing that made, because we didn't talk a lot because we clashed. Um. Not badly, but, you know, he drove me bonkers. And um, that was kind of a thing that 
that we had something to talk about that we didn't have to argue over because I actually knew that he knew what he was talking about because he was yeah. a good dog. Yeah. So, um, yeah, so I think I think he would be proud of me. Um, I think he would be, yeah, I think he's. I think he would be very proud, even if he wouldn't really say it. You know, he'd go, oh, that's good love. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's, you know, but both my my mum and my dad, I, yeah, and my mum, my mum, you know, always, she doesn't say I'm proud of you, but she does things to say. She does say she's proud, but she's not. She'll do bits and pieces to help as well, you know, so yeah. help support and things like that. Like she'll, you know, run around for me or, you know, offer to help all the time. So <clears throat> part of me, that's um, really lovely as well. It's nice to have your parents backing you. Uh, absolutely. Having having any kind of support or community around you that yeah. kind of can reflect back to it's like, yeah, you've got this, you know. yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. We're here to have your back. Tell me yeah. about the community of women that you have behind you because I know that you come from this really strong community that support each other that I love hearing about. Yeah, so I I am not one to network. I don't like it. It make, it intimidates me. And I um, can't remember how I met. Oh, so I, I met some girls, some, can't even remember how I met. Beck and Cara, but I met them somehow and they said, come to a networking, this networking lunch. It's really small, Michelle, you'll be fine. So I went to that and then it kind of just snowballed from, from there that I then um, within, I live in the West in Melbourne and there's a group of women that started a, a networking group. So I would go to that. And the first time I went to that event, they asked me to make a grazing table. It was the first grazing table I ever did for a, a real job mm. and I went and there were all these influential inner West women and I was intimidated as fuck so uh-huh. I hid in the bathroom <laughs> <laughs> and this uh this this girl come in and she goes we just started talking and her name's Erin and she runs I don't know if you follow her she runs your organized life I do yes the pottiest mouth and she's the best chick ever and she started telling me about her uterus and I was like, <laughs> she's really weird. And she said, I hate networking. And I said, same. And we, so we met through that and we just, and then it was like other friendships formed and it was just, you know, I met Cherie from, then I, I somehow I met Cherie from the Digital Picnic mm-hmm. and then she backed me. So she backed me and said, would you like to do our lunches for our workshops? And then, um, you know, another, uh, who else was, Emma McQueen. So it was just a bunch of really amazing women who had started their own businesses who were doing amazing work and they wanted me to do lunches mm. for, their, for their networking, for their own events and, um, and they believed in me. I think, they, I, think, I think that my core group of girlfriends and I call them girlfriends because they're not just work associates anymore. They believed in me more than I believed in myself. Yeah, yeah. And um, and then seeing yeah. other people, seeing people believe in you supports you to cultivate that belief within yeah. you. Yeah. And then, like, I was asked to be on a podcast by your fan, you fangirled. Oh, yeah, Suze. such a fangirl for Sue's channel. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> and I was like, why would she want to ask me? Like, why would she be interested in wanting to know what what I did? And she said to me, you know, you really pivoted. You know, you were on the ball from the start. And I thought, I fucking was. Yeah. So I was. And I and I think things sometimes you've got to you've got to say, yeah, actually, you know what? I did do good. You know, mm-hmm. I worked my ass off and I and I did all right. Yeah. You know? Oh, absolutely. And it's and- not it's not wrong to say I've done a good job. Fuck no. I think yeah. people need to say that more. I think we can be quite like, oh yeah, like it's fine. It's okay. Be humble. Let's be humble. Let's and be I- humble. And you know, I wonder, you know, in a way, I don't know. I think it, it supports us when we're kind of like there's hum there's being humble and then there's kind of like downplaying your achievements to kind of fit into, <laughs> you know. Sometimes what I do is that I downplay what I've achieved because I don't want to look like a wanker. Mm. You're reading me. I'm not reading you. <laughs> <laughs> but, I mean, is it like why do you have to be a wanker if you're doing well and you're just I know because you know what, like I don't know, I don't want to seem like guys look at me look what I'm doing like because again I'm the girl that rolls prosciutto but I don't know like I do see sometimes I say to Michael no I don't (laughs) sometimes I say to Michael fuck we did good didn't we because he if I if he didn't like I said if he didn't help me in that that we're a team yeah you know like and and he was you know I would yell and scream and he would be calm and go, you need to calm down mm. and just have a little think about what you're yelling at me about. <laughs> I'm just like, but because I was a little bit cray cray because it was just for long. But that's the yeah. Mediterranean in you, Michelle. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Losing my shit for no reason. No, it was, it, it was, yeah, interesting times. I love that you've been able to share so honestly around the kind of ups and downs of being a small business and what that was like, particularly during COVID, which was such a hectic time and everyone's mm-hmm. so activated all the time in that space as well in different right, like ways for different reasons, you know, buying out toilet paper and shopping, set, you know, yeah. like that's all kind yeah. of like everyone's just doesn't, you know, is in a state of survival. Um, yeah. Do you find that people are reluctant to talk about the ups and downs of business in a on things like social media or um, on more kind of public forums? No, some maybe. Mm. Some, some I think just keep it very. This is what we do, and life is amazing. Mm. But there's others that will really um, will talk about what they're going through, and I, and. Sometimes I think it can be quite powerful and sometimes I think it can be a little bit detrimental. Mm. Um, I watched someone the other day, you know, I don't think that you need to slag off other businesses. I don't think that's professional. Um, I think I'm a big believer in community over competition. Mm. Um, But I think the way that COVID affected people, I think people are talking now. Not then, 
Mm. Then we just did what we had to do. But now people are talking on socials because people are finding that talking, like a lot more people are showing their faces on socials as well now. Yeah. You know, and... and, and opinions behind the behind the brands and that I think it's really important that people see who's behind the brand I mean I remember sometimes when I do stories I won't show my face because I might not have had a shower or my hair's greasy (laughs) but I'll talk and maybe like this morning I talked and I showed my backyard yeah you're still hearing my voice you're still hearing my story whether you get on socials and show your face or you get on show, socials and you film something that you're looking at, mm. people still are hearing your story. And pe- I know when I buy from someone, I like, I'm a sticky nose. I like to know who's behind the brand. Yeah. But when I watch your stories, I love hearing, I love hearing from you. And this is why I think you're such a great psychologist. Psychologist? Psycho- psychologist? <laughs> because you admit you're having a shit day. You admit that you're feeling a bit, you know, that you're not feeling great today. I've never seen a psychologist get online and say, I feel shit today, I'm having a bad day. Because yeah, yeah. people expect that you're supposed to be up and on, on point all the time. You're human. Totally. And that's what I love and, you know, what I love about you is that you show that you know, you have shit days because you're human. Totally. I didn't see people talk about their human side. And I remember, you know, because I, yeah, I am human and I've kind of sought out therapists before or people to work with. And it's so hard to find information on people. And it's like, I want to share my life with you. How, Mm. how can I, I don't feel settled in my system or um, motivated to share with another human if they're just like an image in a suit, you know. Mm -hmm. I I, I get nothing back in that. And now I know even more so that, you know, we – being human is is needing connection and needing to feel like there's something that feels safe around having conversation with people and – being able to share a little bit about your life and what's going on because that supports someone else to be like, oh, yeah, you are human and this is okay. Like it's okay mm-hmm. to have a shit day because we all have shit days. Like it's okay yeah. to be anxious sometimes because it's our system doing exactly what it's designed to do, to support us, to keep safe or to have energy to be able to do things or protect us, you know, that these are all common things that, we all experience. Yeah, I think I think that's a really, I love that. And mm. if I was to seek out someone, you know, to help with, you know, my anxieties or even, you know, for my kids, I would search for, you know, if my Liam or Georgia or anybody that I knew needed to see someone, I would search someone out like you because you're real. Oh, thanks, love. I try. I just, no, you- I never, I think even in, in when I studied my clinical master's and it was very kind of diagnostic focused and like, you know, seeking out kind of what's wrong with someone and diagnosing and treating that specific thing. It just never, it just never resonated with me. And I know for some people they find that kind of way of working really helpful and this isn't dissing dissing it. It just wasn't, 
it wasn't for me. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, yeah, being told that you needed to wear kind of like dark colours and like be this really kind of professional in inverted commas like person. I'm like, but that's not who I am and I don't feel comfortable being whoever, you know, if I'm not me, if I'm not just resonating from who I am and owning that in any kind of capacity. And I think what's incredible about business and women in business right now is that you can completely own who you are and and create business from that place and people recognise how incredible you are and want what you've got. Like just, you know, I'm sure that you have people that are like you would bring out like something crazy obscure and they're like, I want that because Michelle yeah. made that and I know, I trust her and I know that it's going to be freaking awesome. I think there's so many like especially within the group that I'm in, you know, there's some really amazing women in my mm-hmm. network, extremely profitable businesses, successful, yet they'll, they will um, – they will speak out, yeah. they will own their truth and they will fight for what they believe in. Yeah. And whether it's a grazing business or a digital marketer or a someone that sells shoes or makes shoes, mm-hmm. you've got to be honest and you've got to be real. And well, I people think, will and always people, be attracted to that. That's right. And I think yeah. for you, that next generation of, you know, of psychologists who are going to graduate will be like you because the net that old generation yeah they'll start to retire and then you are going to come through and change because you know it's an industry that needs change Mm. I think there are so many industries like that or even you know we're talking about families it's like you know you you you're able to observe like what's going on and what is okay and not okay for you in that space and then you can be like I'm not going to make those same mistakes and I'm going to do things differently and that's how we evolve like in a family in a business in an industry what I mean you always say I'm not going to do the things that my parents did and my kids will say I'm not going to you know raise my children the way my mum and dad right you know (laughs) you always make an adjustment from what you'll you won't do things that your mum did I won't do things that my parents did my kids won't do things that we did and that's how the chain works yeah yeah and that's how how life evolves you know and we can you know like we all can be you know make mistakes but we can all learn from them as well absolutely yeah for sure for sure yeah oh Michelle (laughs) <laughs> it's so lovely. Yeah, we're kind of like let's just let's just get on and see what comes up and see what happens. I will cry. Oh my god! I wonder how ugly that's going to sound. Do you know when I did my um, workshop a couple of weeks ago, and my girlfriend um, emceed for the day, and she got up and she said, you know, some really beautiful words, and and you know, she said all these really nice things about me. It was lovely. And I started to cry. Of course I started to cry because I cry all the time. Anyway, brushed my tears away and I was walking around the room just looking at everybody making their platters and this girl come up to me and she goes, you're a really pretty crier. (laughs) And I'm like, what? She goes, yeah, you look so pretty crying. She goes, there's no ugly cry from you. And I'm like, 
Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that was pretty funny. Just to end, sorry, I just wanted to ask, like, if you had any advice for someone who was kind of thinking about starting a business but feels nervous about it, I mean, is there anything that you, like any, I don't know, parting words that you'd like to offer from your experience? I would say, what would I say? Follow your gut. Be true to yourself and make sure when you're, um, and do it with heart. And, of course, you know, the money side and all that kind of stuff, but be real. Mm. And find a product that um, you're passionate about because if you're passionate about something, it shows. Yeah. And people love, you know, people love um, a good product that's made with love and they can see, you know. And then, of course, there's the whole business side of it. You know, be smart with your how you, you know, price your product and, you know, put money aside for GST. Don't end up with a tax bill. <laughs> Um, you know I'm definitely no um, MBA businesswoman but I'm not silly Mm. so don't be silly just be smart be smart but follow your gut yeah and when you say follow your gut how did you connect to that because I guess a lot of people ask me kind of like how how can I connect to my inner knowing or my gut like how can I listen into that I mean how do you listen into that or hear that gut intuition I've always been someone that's had a really good intuition Mm. and I've always um if something doesn't feel right I won't do it and that's in social aspects businesses business I I just you get a feel for the person or, or for what's going on so I don't know I just I just know what's right I just always just you feel it. You feel it in your waters, Laura. You know yeah. what? I don't know. It's really hard to explain, but I just always just made sure that I just follow my gut. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You, it's you kind know. of like a sensation that comes up for you in your body kind of thing. That Yeah, like you'll, you, you'll go, no, that's not right. That's just not right. Get out. Yeah. You know, change, change the path. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. It's just something that. I can't put I can't explain it. I just knew that I just I just went with it. Yeah, yeah. It can show up differently for different people. So it's an always it's always an interesting question to ask. Yeah. And I think I haven't always thought into the technical side of it. Do you know mm. what I mean? Like the technical side of the business. I've sort of gone more with the with the the heart rather than the than the um the probably the more important stuff but maybe maybe you know when people think about the whole money and the and the the businessy side of it maybe that's why some businesses don't don't thrive because they don't have the passion behind it yeah i was speaking to someone who is very entrepreneurial and has made like multi millions of dollars like in their business and they were talking about how they had sold it to someone else and that they've watched the projection since it was sold and it's just gone so downhill from where he had handed it over and really ensured that it was something that would continue on. Yeah. And he was like, Laura, they just don't have the heart. The heart's yeah. not there. They don't have the the heart for it. And you can see that and it's reflecting in the in the figures. 
And it's true. I think, you know, yeah, I mean, I've worked for businesses before that are very um, corporate and very businesslike and very robotic. And then I've worked for businesses that are passionate, two different businesses. Mm. And that, and then those two different businesses all also um, have two different people working for them too. Yeah, yeah. Like-minded. That's what's excited about what I find is exciting about business now and business into the future because I see more people with heart trusting yeah. their gut and doing the thing and being able to create something in a way that traditionally that wouldn't have been the way to do it. Kind of like how you said it's like I didn't have a plan or, you know. Yeah. Um, like I didn't have a business plan and I didn't. I didn't it wasn't any- traditional, you know, like in the way that maybe they would have taught it at school, you know. Yeah, how- I'm definitely not textbook. I've, not, I've never been textbook. I'm more, I'm more creative. Mm. I'm more visual. And I'm definitely not textbook. Yeah. But it seems to be working. It works because it's you. I love it. We could talk for hours, but I'm going to. I know. Shout I'm gonna, out. We're going to wrap it up. It's been such a pleasure. Uh, if people mm. want to connect with you or to grazing anything from you, where can they find you? So you can go to my website, so grazewithmichelle.com.au or my socials. So I'm on Instagram and Facebook. So it's um, just search for grazewithmichelle underscore and um, you'll find me there. I love Having that. a chat about life and life and cheese. <laughs> Thank, Thank you so much, Michelle. My pleasure. Much love. I will see you when I see you. Hi. <laughs> to start at Christmas, maybe. Yeah, we'll we'll go. For, we'll aim for Christmas. <laughs> okay. Take care, lovey. Yeah.